Hello, hello, and welcome to the Football Forum podcast. This is an emergency podcast, actually. It wasn't going to be our second episode, but with today's announcement around the European Super League rearing its ugly head again, we felt we had to talk about it. So, um, Owen, what's your thoughts on the news today? What, three days before Christmas? <laughs> it ruined, ruined my Christmas. Um, I just think it's one of these situations where I think the more, what do they say, the more mud you throw to get it to stick, you just keep throwing mud until it sticks. I think this is what's going to happen with this. Do you think it's inevitable? I just don't think it's going to go away. <laughs> it's, going to, it's going to keep coming back and back and back. Well, let's recap and let's actually look at, you know, I guess the formation of the Super League, what it actually is, and, you know, what today's announcement potentially could mean. So, for those of you who remember, it was about two and a half years ago when the Super League was announced and it was, uh, you know, originally 12 founding clubs, which were Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, Man City were involved, weren't they? I think so. And then you had... And then you had the others like uh, Tottenham were involved as well. So you seem to remember Tottenham being involved in the they were lower. Involved in everything. I have no they idea were, why they were involved. involved in every transfer. They were involved in everything. Well, someone's got to lose it in the last week if they did ever launch it. So and I'm sure that they'll need a club that bottles everything. Um, and then you had uh, you had the Spanish clubs: <laughs> Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid, AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juve. Now it's safe to say when it was announced there was huge uproar. I don't think you could find anyone who supported this. What do you think? I think the ones who would support it would be would be purely for financial benefit. Um, I think it, it did not go down well amongst the fans of the English clubs, um, especially. Um, you know, we saw really significant protests outside grounds. Um, it doesn't... It, it completely destroys the heritage of the football pyramid in this country. Oh, it, it would absolutely obliterate it. And for that reason, fans were like, well, we'll hang on a second here. Like we actually really enjoy magic around, you know, teams being promoted, etc. They've got no right to be promoted, etc. You it, can't create a close kind of wasn't it launched, organization. Though? Wasn't it launched yeah. as a separate, separate, as almost a separate competition. So in their minds, you'd still play in the Premier League. You're still playing the Liga. You're still playing Syria. But you're just devaluing. Exactly. But you're, you're devaluing that. I think they still would have an element of the uh, Champions League, but it's an extra competition. And just merely for participating, I think the clubs were going to get paid 300 million or something like that. Something stupid. And there was, as you say, no relegation involved in it. So once you're in, you're in, and you're going to get your 300 million every year. Now It was a closed loop. There was no way that you would ever get into the Super League. It's like, well, hang on a second, dude. What happens if somebody's really, really poor for five years? It's just not... No. Well, and like you say, that, you know, even if the English pyramid stayed alive and all the other pyramids across the, you know, world football, they'd soon realise how, how far a gap would be created. It would be a chasm in terms of what would be created for these clubs that are in this Super League and the ones that aren't in this Super League getting that 300 mil every year guaranteed payment. What was the motto? The best clubs, the best players every week. That, that was the motto behind the Super League. I kind, of, I kind of get it from an entertainment perspective. It's Do you know? People wanted to see like top quality teams, top quality games all the time. But the, the way that that's being kind of constructed, I, I just think it, it complete it would just shine the light off 
anything else, and, and not just in England, I know in, in other countries as well. You know, we, when you've got the top Spanish teams who are then going to come across this Super League as well, it's not, it, it completely devalues La Liga. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think it it ruins every domestic competition for 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 those ones that are involved in it because, as you say, you're going to have these incredibly rich clubs now that could pretty much buy every player that in the domestic league going forward. So, what would happen to you know the clubs left behind, so to speak? There'd be miles off it, and and probably won't exist because you know they're just pushing one form of football and if you don't support these teams then actually you're not in the group just yeah good I, I think a lot of it stems from and you can maybe interrupt me if you think i'm wrong but remember the champions league used to be just like what was it to the top two or top three then it went to the top four because as i suppose in england you've almost kind of got i'm going to say this as a liverpool fan as well it's not like a cartel but you've got Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United, and they were your three top teams for a while in terms of, you know, fan base, history, mm -hmm. etc. So it's almost like, well, how can we protect this? How can we still protect being a top team and get that revenue to the club? And it's going to be through the Champions League. But then as soon as somebody else comes in, such as Chelsea, who've got heavy investment under Roman Abramovich, it's like, oh, hang on a second, there's a threat to our almost guaranteed top three here. So we need to have four Champions League places because we must have more space. Yeah. And then when Man City got all of the money and the investment, it's like, well, hang on a second, do we need five Champions League places? It, and it gets to the stage where I think this is, the whole kind of underpinning behind this is how can we just keep the revenue coming in almost guaranteed for longer? Well, it's, it's that way it kind of does it because once you're in it, you're in it. You can't be relegated from it. You can't be promoted to it. It's that closed loop, and it's it just reminds me too much of like almost a franchise, really. It is. It's very, it's very similar to the US model because obviously in the, in the MLS there is no relegation. They kind of have to form the clubs, and then they get opted into the league, and then that's how they've expanded it going forward. But I think you know, have we not in football created this beast anyway? Because we, you know, football now is so financially driven. And most of that comes from the back of what how successful the Premier League's been. If you, if you look at the TV rights deal and you look and you compare that against all the other European, you know, if you took the top five leagues in the world, well, guess what? The Premier League is dwarfing all the rest in terms of the revenue it generates just from its TV deal alone. And that does cause that disparity. So yeah, there's a reaction. The likes of a Real Madrid, a Barcelona are saying, well, actually, do you know what? We're only getting paid pennies over here and you're getting paid solid gold we need a piece of that gold in, in order to compete and keep our heritage so if we flip it on the script have we just created this beast through just over flooding the the you know the game we love with too much money something i think we have um i think also as well um in years gone by i think greedy agents have obviously got something to to contribute to this you know potion i suppose it being created um you know, driving clubs harder and harder for shares of uh, of this TV money. So, well, actually, do you know what? You know, th this player is worth, you know, 100 grand a week. And then 100 grand a week was, was an exceptional amount of money. And then it's gone up to, all well, no, it's 150 grand a week. Now it's 200 grand a week. And now it's 300 grand a week. And it's, it's getting a bit, it's getting a bit silly now. And I think that 
agents driving that also hasn't helped. That's definitely a contributing factor to it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of money that that comes out of football, and then that rises year on year. You know, you mentioned agents there. You know, they obviously are paid very well, otherwise they wouldn't do it. Um, players now are paid really, really well, and you know, clubs are probably struggling to to catch up. Um, but I think at the core of this is that no matter where it is, people don't people don't watch football for the money. They watch football for the entertainment, for the love of a particular club or you know players or or whatever, and we're kind of forgetting that at its core uh, to just change it into this commercial product. So you don't have to have just what's perceived to have been historically the most successful and best teams to get entertaining games. No, but you really don't. Um, like on years ago, probably about 12, 12, 13 years ago. Who did I watch play? Was that Palace Fulham or something? I can't remember if it was Palace or not, but it was definitely Fulham. And it was like a Monday night game. And me and my dad, it's when I still lived at home with my parents, he said, oh, should we watch it? And I was like, oh, go on then, why not? It was 4-4. It was brilliant. So yeah. we're talking about entertainment. You know, we've had um, Palace recently who have, you know, taken points off City. We've, we've, had, we've had teams who, would have, who wouldn't even get a sniff at going into the Super League if it was ever created giving top teams runs for their money. And what we're effectively saying to these clubs um, is that, well, do you know what? You know, Villa are having, Villa are an example we'll use. Under Emery, they're having an absolutely amazing season. They are chomping at the bit of the Champions League places. Uh, and I generally say that if they can keep everybody fit, they've got a, they've got as good a chance as anyone. But what this is, Super League proposal is effectively saying, is, well, do you know what? Sorry. You're not big enough and you know it doesn't matter on your current form it doesn't matter where you are you ain't coming in you heard it here first folks who wants to watch aston villa uh is basically the the uh the european super league's motto um of it but that was i guess that was kind of the the first ethos and that you know got heavily rejected and and, and kind of what you quickly found within 72 hours the majority of teams pulled out of it and said actually no we don't want to attach our names to it anymore we want to you know we're we're quite content where we are and that was mainly based on the fact that both UEFA and FIFA really threw their dummies out of the pram completely threw the toys out of the pram yeah and also once the fans caught wind of what this actually entailed the protests outside grounds that will hang on a second if you're going to do this um I, I won't be coming anymore yeah See you later. Find a new hobby. And there's an element though with that is like I don't know how powerful that it obviously it is. It is very powerful, but if it, if they're looking at it from a strictly financial point of view, the money they generate from people coming to the stadium versus the money that they generate from just the advertising deals is you know it's heavily weighted towards the advertising. So did they care that much about it or is it just purely because there was such uproar that it made it an you know, impossible situation? Because I can imagine if I'm a sponsor and I'm looking at that and they're going, I'm, I'm putting my name towards this European Super League and people hate it. I don't want that hatred associated with my brand. So I can imagine that, you know, quickly everyone did like, you know, a 180 on it and thought, mm, actually, no. Well, I think your initial kind of 180 is if you're going to do something like this, everyone has to be in it for the long haul and you can't, you can't buckle, you can't crack, you can't pull out of it. Mm. You've got to all, you've got to all be from the same hymn sheet um, unconditionally. But as soon as one club pulls out of it, it's like, well, hang on a second here. You know, if they're pulling out, I'm going to do the same. And you kind of saw that 
effects happen ripple really quickly mm -hmm. and then before you knew it it was kind of it was over within four or five days really wasn't it it was kind of over almost as quickly as it started but it was a it you was say a, that it was you, a whirlwind. you say it was over but there was three clubs that did not relent even after that period and that was juventus and both barcelona and real madrid and i think juventus eventually pulled away from it like earlier this year they eventually wanted to sort of uh, withdraw from the process but real madrid and barcelona are still at the forefront of it to the point where they've actually formed the company that is now running with everything today i think it's called a22 a, a22 yeah so is, is so they've they've gone away they've had a success in in terms of this uh this ruling today and they've said well actually do you know what this is how we our new proposal looks and new proposal does have some tweaks so i think they're doing a bit of a uh, let's see if we can grab some fan interest because they're saying it's going to be broadcast for free. Good incentive, isn't it? I mean, yes. I mean, fans would love to see football free because the cost of it is going up and up and up. So I can imagine they're trying to win some favour there. It's going to have 64 clubs and they're even extending it to the women's yeah. uh, football as well. Wasn't it? Female clubs and 32 male clubs. No, 64 male clubs and then 32. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's, 30, 30. so I think they're having two, uh, like for like premier divisions and then like a secondary division that sits behind it. And there's promotion and relegation in between those 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 two tiers. Um, but how how that would work in terms of the games that it would add and if that works in liaison with your league system, with your, your you know your current Champions League, your Europa Leagues, your Conference Leagues. I just don't see how how you can be in all of them personally because this would replace effectively replace the champions league almost you well you would have thought they would right like from a purely financial point of view you've got one giving you so much money against the champions league which isn't but has all the history the you know behind the competition but they're gonna go for the money aren't they yeah you you would you would say so with that but it's just it, it's one of those things that it doesn't matter what court of law approves it. The court of public opinion will always reject this idea. And so it should. Yeah. The current the current model and the way the football pyramid works at the moment is not broken in terms of the competitions, in my opinion. I, I don't think it is. I think that the way that funds are distributed could always be looked at and has to evolve over time. But I don't think we need to go down this model for, for me personally, I, I just don't think it. I don't think it makes sense. If, if this was to replace a Champions League, you know, I would not be for it. You, you can't just erase a Champions League. It's the elite competition in world football. Yeah. Everyone wants to win it. That, that that could arguably carry more status than winning your domestic division. I think the thing is as well, though, with the Super League is you know, just use your team, Liverpool. Mm -hmm. So you know, you'd expect them to do well in this competition if it if it went through. Let's say next season, it's going to definitely go through. You'd expect Liverpool to do well. What happens if they don't? What happens if they go there and get beat week in, week out? How good is that going to feel to be a Liverpool fan? How good is that going to feel to attract new fans when you've just got this team that's getting battered week in, week out, losing every game? You're going to lose the status of the clubs. The clubs get that elite status from how they perform domestically. You, you lose the status of that, but also in terms of a, A22's vision, it's kind of, you know, the, the best football. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't fit their vision if your clubs were too far apart in terms of you know competitiveness because you're then going to have well it's not going to be a good watch if they're going to get stuffed or if this team's going to get stuffed every week almost it's 
it, it kind of defeats whole ethos of what it's about. Yeah. You know, a, a walk in the park for a match that you've watched, yeah, fair enough if you're going to get it for free. And I think they're saying it should be of a higher quality. But, you know, teams go through peaks and troughs all the time. And I think the, the, as well, the beauty of big games is that they happen so rarely in terms of, yes, we're still talking about every year, every season, you're going to get a guaranteed big game of the likes of, you know, the European giants in Spain against the European giants in England. That's always pretty much nailed on that's going to happen at some point during any given season but if it was to happen week in week out would i feel as infused about watching it it will just become run of the mill you know the norm it'll blend into the background it wouldn't be such a prestigious event to, to to watch it whereas that's the magic and i think the beauty of the champions league is it's never guaranteed that any club gets through to the last 16 and you know the straight knockout rounds thereafter and if we start going to a, a weekly competition where they're always playing each other, you're going to get bored. I think you're going to get bored of it. I think I think I think we could. And as it stands at the moment, you've got um, what was it? The, the Bundesliga have come out and said that they absolutely reject this. So you, as it stands, you're probably not going to have German teams in it. Well, um, Man United have said it as well. I've, yeah. got, I've got to give credit to my club for one good thing yeah, that they've done. They've actually said that they, they don't want to be in any way for competition. I think like what you said, no matter what change you have in, in a legal ruling, the fans will always vote with their feet for this. And and I think that any, I don't think there's any club, especially not in the Premiership anyway, who'd be that detached from their fan base that they would think, well, do you know what? Look, the fans have said this isn't a good idea, but we think it is, and we think we're still going to proceed with it. I just can't see that happening. Um I really can't. And, and and replacing the Champions League would be an absolute travesty if yeah. they were to use this to replace it. It just the, the the change that I would love to see brought back into the Champions League. I know it said that you know the the model in terms of you know the competitions is not broken. At the, the Champions League, I would love to see the second group stage again. I really enjoy the second group stage. I think I well, you know, after this year the group stage going as well. So it's gonna change change basically to a Super League in a, in a way that it's sort of formatted exactly copying what they are actually um, putting forward now as a new proposal in the sense that it's all the teams all together and they get drawn random opponents and they see how to go from that and I just think you're losing the magic a bit with just doing that and you know you're trying to appease these people by creating a Super League within the Champions League but if it ain't broke don't fix it the, the group stage of the Champions, the Champions League you or the European Cup used to be pure knockout, didn't it? Yeah, it was just the way it was, and good luck to you. Whereas I think it's right that you have, it's right that the thing we have the group format as it is because it it's good revenue for smaller clubs, um, but also it it means that you know bigger clubs have to prove their worth. And you know we saw United struggled this year in the in the Champions League. Well, who would have put Copenhagen to be going exactly. through as runners up but in again, that group? They've shown the heart. They've shown that they've shown that they've been well organised and that actually they can be quite dangerous. So, you know, and, and that's your challenge of it. There's been times where, you know, Liverpool have been in it and we have not done well in the group stage. And we're thinking, well, do you know what? If you if you can't do well in your group stage, it, it's your opportunity. And it does give clubs who maybe you'd think on paper, well, that you know, they weren't in pot one, they were in pot three, they've pot four, they've got no chance, but they can do it. And that's what makes it so special. And that's why I just think we shouldn't tinker with it too much. Like I said, if it was me, I would do second group stage again because that's purely me just because I quite liked it. Um, it was it was more games. I thought it was entertaining, um, but you know you, you can't you can't create another league within the Champions League. It's just it's getting a bit silly now. I think if anything that what we do in the UK is in, in English football is we look at how we um, maybe rework the kind of FA Cup and League Cup. I think that's you know the Carabao Cup and FA Cup. You know could they be 
I don't know if there's something we could do to change the format of that to kind of inject magics back into back into that again. Not saying that they're magical. You've always got that that pressure of games and you know competing in four competitions, etc. It's is hard, and you know only your only your elite clubs who have got massive budgets will ever be successful at that. So yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I love the underdog story as well, and I think you know. Um, we won't have an underdog win a Europe a proposed European Super League. It will never happen. But in the Champions League format, you know, not too long ago, we had a, a final of Porto Monaco. Now, for the purists, they probably thought, "Oh, this is going to be a rubbish final." But actually, the the runs that both of those clubs had on the route to the final was a fascinating watch, and it spawned, you know, the, the Jose Mourinho, the special one uh, thereafter, because of what he was able to achieve with, you know, on the face of it, a, a, a pretty poor team from a finance perspective but a team of you know that he melded together in in Portugal and and was able to pull off you know a, a miracle really in terms of winning the Champions League with a Porto team given the teams that were in the competition that season I think that this is probably giving UEFA maybe a bit of food for thought as well um with, with how they kind of operate going forward you know, I wouldn't say it's operated poorly but um I, th- I think if you, you're almost kind of deregulating football as such and allowing clubs to not breach any you know a- any any sporting laws to to then create a breakaway if they wanted to and saying actually no it is illegal what they're doing I think it, it keeps it keeps UEFA on the toes mm. as well I think now like you said that it'll be heavily It'll be having leveraged on what the fans kind of do and suggest, but I think you know UEFA need to kind of play their part as well, and making sure they've still got this engagement with the clubs and that they still serve the clubs, I guess, but they govern. Well, you know, there is there is the incoming independent regulator that's going to come into English football, but I think looking at it. I don't think FIFA or UEFA can really regulate football anymore. They run it commercially themselves. So you can't, you know, there is definitely a crossover there where they align to get as much money as possible. And that can't be right because that's one of the driving courses behind all the wages and everything that's going on in terms of, I think, really cannibalizing football now. It's destroying itself because, you know, the romance of it is definitely getting hindered by the fact that it's, you know, it's really just the clubs that spend the most that are the most successful it's not the clubs that have you know worked on a, a plan you know you get the odd occasion where they've done it but it's not those clubs that have got those local lads that they've pulled together run through the youth system and then you know gone on an amazing run and create a legacy of the club it doesn't happen in, does it no. i think when when celtic first won the european cup i think that the players all came from within like a an eight mile radius of parkhead or something stupid like yeah that. It, it was so local on the level and that was kind of how it how it was whereas yeah there is something in it that the team who spends the most tends to get the most out of it. Um, it's like in other sports, like in, you know, racing, generally the, you know, it's the fastest car wins. Yeah. Whereas here it's probably, you know, the, the club that spends the most tends to win, but you, you can get people to book the trend. I think that, you know, we, we, we need to keep the Champions League in the current format. It's only really kind of, it was only really very much driven Juventus who were moaning that it that kind of, you know... Oh, well, Barcelona were really big on it. And, but I don't see it. You know, everyone else seemed to make it work pretty well. Yeah. So I just don't... I think it was probably 
along the lines of their poor financial mismanagement and well particularly in the case of barcelona they destroyed themselves haven't they and, that, and they're trying to use this to get out of that hole but they've created that hole by overpaying for overpaying massively and giving out stupendous wages to people what was uh, north of half a million something it, it was absolutely astronomical wages. Yeah. i think it was something like seven hundred thousand euros or something a week. and if you just had one player in isolation on that wage that'd still be a huge amount but they had three four five players i think sergio roberto who for all intents and purposes is, is probably as i don't know if he wouldn't get in the england team and he's on north of 200 grand you've got these clubs then that, that are kind of they've over committed to you know significant salaries and and now that the money distributed to them from the Champions League can't cut the wage bill is effectively what they're saying. So we need to think of something else that we can do that's going to mean that we can still have these brilliant players, still paying hundreds of thousands of euros a week and still be competitive. It's like you, you want your cake and eat it. You've got to work for it. And, and I think that's where your, your emphasis on your youth development programmes is absolutely critical. Mm. You bring players through that don't demand obscene eye-watering wages who want to play for the badge and, and that's how you kind of run your foundations of clubs successfully in my opinion um for what it's worth um but yeah i, I think the the thuggery of, of of these larger clubs and owners is starting to rear its ugly head again it's like whack-a-mole you need to keep whacking it whacking <laughs> down for how long can you keep doing this before it, like i said at the start throw, you throw enough mud and you know until it sticks and i just hope that's not the case we don't use mud really we know what, exactly what you're on about though well we'll end it off on this in terms of is there any way which you would accept the european super league as a competition format that you would watch and enjoy your team partaking in you're asking me that question yeah presently no i don't because i think it loses the magic of like you said the underdog the unknown and, and having to stay on your toes for that now i wouldn't want a closed kind of loop where it was a case of well you know these these are the best you get promoted relegated from it that's what the premiership is yeah that, that, that's it you know do, do we need that on a european stage in a similar format <sighs> I, I don't. I don't think we do. I agree. I, and and What's your thoughts on it? Yeah. I. I mean, I'm. I've never been for it from the first moment I heard about it. Even the fact that they're trying to throw that carrot out there, making it a free viewing experience. I still just think you know people are furious with the fact that you couldn't get promoted to it. Whereas they, they kind of say, well, well, they're trying. They're, they're trying to fix can, that. Well. There's enough money in football anyway. We don't need to over-monetize it even more, you know, because actually the working class individual is going to struggle because you're not talking, you know, if you just look at season tickets now, it costs you quite a lot to go to every game if you wanted to do it. Quite a lot. Yeah. That's the way you get a category. Well, quite it's a lot. more than quite a lot. Second mortgage. Yeah. More than, more than quite. But now if you had to add into flights all the time, every week to, to all these countries across the across yeah. Europe. It would only be open to your elite fans. Yeah. Your working man, like is that I, I wouldn't be going with my son because people couldn't afford it. Yeah. It'd, it'd be like a, almost a once every three or four year experience, which you know, that's just not going to, in my opinion, that's just not the way that football should be followed by the fans. Totally agree. And, uh, and let us know your thoughts on the European Super League. Are you for it or are you against it like us? Oh.